Well, hello and welcome to a bonus episode. Yeah, bonus episode. We should say it at the same time. One, two, three. Bonus Bonus episode. episode. Oh, here we go. The first... (laughs) Of potentially many bonus episodes. Well, possibly. Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Well, we've got something special to talk about, obviously, this week. A bonus episode is when we want to go outside of our numbering system without messing up our numbering <laughs> system. So, That's it. And we've got something very tight. I mean, obviously, the reason we're doing this, just in the lead up to Easter, we thought, yeah. what a great opportunity um, today being Passover Thursday mm. to kind of go through and talk a little bit about Easter um, and... And kind of, yeah, I guess why it's so important. One of the two big events on the Christian, Christian calendar. calendar. In a sense, yeah, they're like major waypoints, of course, Christmas. And we uh, celebrate and recognise the Advent. And, uh, of course, obviously, some people sort of get their knickers in a knot around the dates and did Christianity steal a pagan festival, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, hang on a sec, getting way too literal, folks. Yeah. Let's uh, let's just recognise the reason we celebrate. And, and what an amazing celebration it is. I mean, Easter being, you know, for some people, one of the two times per year they come to church. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, you could say whatever about that, but I think it's, it's a great thing. We get two opportunities a year mm. uh, to, to reach these people and give them a fresh revelation of you know, I guess what following Jesus is Yeah, about. I mean, we should be doing that every day. But mm. without a doubt, I think statistics show that people are, like people who aren't church-going people or interested in God normally, are more open. So, hey, Christians, strap on your evangelism yeah. gear and away you go. Put your invite boots on. That's it. And, well, I think what would be great to do today is maybe even just walk through yeah. Easter a little bit. Yeah. Um, and. I don't know if we want to start about like I guess talk about the vibe of Easter. Yeah, that's that's probably not a bad place to start. I mean, um, obviously Easter week is it's it's an in the traditional church calendar, and this is my my uh, weak spot. I mean, I'm not a traditional church Christian in that sense. So in the established church, they've got a number of days. I think it's eight, like Easter week is eight special oh, days. Wow. You yeah. know? And um, I think they call it the, they actually call it the octave of, of Easter, something like that. And um, I'm just not really familiar. I was never a bells and smells guy. Um, but I would like to know more. I don't like to be in the dark about that stuff. So, hey, if you're a Catholic priest and you're listening to us right now, and you feel welcome, bored. Welcome, by the way. Welcome, by the way. You're <laughs> very welcome. But if you're feeling bored, I would love to buy you lunch, shout you coffee, and we could sit down. Because I honestly would love to know, you know, the the meaning behind it. Because as I've learned a bit more as my journey's progressed, it has enriched the experience. Mm. And so I understand why we do mark these special days. And some of them have got strange names to me they sound strange but we're trying to mark significant events and of course one of the contrasts between christmas and easter is you know i said before quite flippantly like who cares about the date because people die on that hill and we've talked about this in the podcast yeah. where uh, where God's people wanting to be honoring God and faithful to him. But when it comes to arguments about obscure things, they are too quick to die on the wrong hill. Yeah. And so Christmas, it's like, hey, come on, let's just celebrate the fact that God gave a savior that we know for sure. Yeah. Uh, of course, when we move to Easter, it is far more historically entrenched. You know, it, it is an actual very historic event. The dates, we can even work out by the Jewish calendar. So um, 
it's it's sort of uh, it's a bit different in that sense, and of course, it's it's sort of easier to celebrate the birth of a child than it is the death of a young man. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be my first question about Easter, and one of the things, yeah, I've observed over the years is the different approaches to Easter, as far as mm. it being a celebration or it being more of a, quite a somber event, uh, and I guess I can see where both trains of thought come from. I mm. mean. Obviously, yeah, Jesus died. Like, that was not a small thing. There was the, the torture and the punishment and the, the painful death. Mm. Um, and then at the at the other end of the scale, it's like, buddy rose again. It means victory for us. We have life in Christ. We, yeah. And that's where we live now. It's not like Jesus gets crucified every year at Easter time. Mm, mm. It was a one and done kind of thing. Um, so I don't know if you've got thoughts on that. Like, what's the attitude we should approach Easter with? Yeah, well, I, I, I just think personally, and this is only a very subjective personal observation, um, you know, I, I think we need to meet Easter where we're at and let God, you know, do what he wants to do in us in a mm. sense. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. In one sense, you, you could look at some extremes, and I'm saying extremes, of uh, Catholic expression like in the Philippines where people, uh, you know, beat themselves with whips walking oh, yeah. through the streets. They na- get nailed to crosses and, and it's all religious fervour. And I know that, you know, the, the average mainstream Catholic would distance themselves from that very, very quickly. But you see people trying to relive the experience and I think um, – uh, there is a certain element of truth in that, but that extreme, I think we recognise, is, is probably not healthy, <laughs> very unhealthy. Mm. Um, but it's like this desire to enter in and to identify with. And ultimately, that is appropriate because that is what the cross is. It is an identification with what God did. And, and really, we talked recently about salvation. Ultimately, rather than a sinner's prayer or a moment in time, a big event, what our salvation really is, this ongoing process of being made whole, is our continuous determination to identify uh, with Jesus. And, and we do that primarily through the cross, or at least initially through the cross. I don't think it's meant to be only that, that's for sure. It then has to progress to resurrection because Jesus died, but he was raised from the dead. And I think that is part of the glory of Easter in that sense, is that we get to do this whole journey and see it unfold. So how should we respond or feel emotionally? What's an appropriate emotion to feel? Um, Because you pointed out rightly, like we're living in the reality of the victory that was won. Mm. Um, but we want to recognize and journey and enter into those precious moments and those waypoint experiences. And so, I, again, I don't think there's a one size fits yeah. all. I, I don't think there's a right or wrong. I think we need to do what we need to do to identify with the work of Christ. Having said that, I think this is why traditional church, who you know, for centuries and centuries have been building these traditional outlooks. It is the desire to take people on a journey from from an outsider looking in. Mm. I I applaud it because it is this desire to help God's people um, and maybe even the seeker, you know, to enter into an understanding of what Jesus went through on our behalf. And I think that that's a big thing, like the... 
I think sometimes we can end up with almost like a cleaned up version of the cross. Yeah. And you you just need to watch something, some kind of movie that portrays it well, and you realize the cross was really confronting. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So it's almost like we can't be too flippant with it in a sense that there is some power in actually recognizing this was no small thing yeah, that Jesus yeah. did. This isn't a, a cleaned up, empty white uh clean cross oh no and i think that's what mel gibson hit with the movie the passion and um you know it, it's got some oddities about it that movie i i really like it but it's it wouldn't be an evangelism tool i think for the christian who's wanting to to enter into the experience it's probably worth a watch because it's it's almost impossible to watch it's mm. the the you know the graphic portrayal and jim caviezel of course does a brilliant job as jesus mel gibson directs the thing and and really brings out the fact that this this was execution mm. this isn't you know it, this, this was and it was intended to be as drawn out as violent as it could be because that's what Rome was sending a message if you buck the system you'll pay in the most extreme way and of course Jesus was only one of many many thousands crucified just in um, just in Palestine at that time. Mm. So, um, yeah. But, but I guess that's where you start to see the progression of Easter, which is I guess where maybe we can talk through that a little bit, mm. like what the mm. each days mean. But, yeah, I mean, just looking through their experience or Jesus' experience at the time, you go from this horrific kind of day. Mm. Um, and for the disciples, you know, whatever that would have looked oh, like, Jesus' man, followers. shattering. But then you get the, the, the contrast on you know, Resurrection Sunday, <laughs> where it's like now it is. And I guess that's where the, the mix of emotions come from because it's like, it, it is, wow, yeah. this horrific event happened, but look at this amazing life that we can now inherit out of yeah, it. And yeah. it's gone from like literally 0% hope to just unheard yeah, of hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the process of a few days, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, I, again, I don't know all the days. I know that, uh, you know, some, when I was being briefed for this, it was like, would you do Easter and would you do Ash Wednesday? And I'm like, I don't know anything about Ash Wednesday. I do as a kid. I mean, I, I went to Catholic school and I remember, you know, it was something, some connection with the palm leaves when Jesus triumphant, triumphant entry and they laid palm palm fronds on the road and their coats and so we'd burn these palm things and then anoint the priest would anoint our forehead with again if you're a catholic priest listening <laughs> i would love i shared a catholic Give us I, the details. I yeah. shared a funeral with a catholic priest a few years ago and i he was a really good guy and i actually invited him into a small group of, of senior ministers i'm like mate would you come to our group but he, he had his own group with the bishop, so he was already in one. But I would love to have had some conversations. So, hey, if you're out there. Uh, but where you probably do have eat, some knowledge. Let's have a meal together yeah. and talk these things. So I'm, I start with Thursday is my Easter experience. Yeah, because you've done a lot on, on Passover before, I know. Yeah. Uh, we, we've you know marked it a few times and kind of go through, gone through some of the imagery. So maybe we can just walk through the days of Easter starting with Passover starting on the Thursday. Yeah. Well, I think this year is the first year I won't have done it maybe in 25 years. Really? Okay, um, yeah. yeah. So, and it, we, we would obviously Thursday, I think traditional calendar, it's called Morty Thursday. And uh, even in that, there's some richness in that that we could miss out on because we tended to just really focus on the Passover. I think one night somewhere through the years, I might have focused on the feet washing as well or brought that into it. But, um, 
uh, Morty Thursday in the traditional church, my understanding, my very limited understanding is that uh, it celebrates both those things, the Last Supper and uh, and the washing of feet where Jesus skirt himself with a towel, the ultimate act of humility, and, uh, and really showed the way that that's how we're to treat one another. And um, so Thursday night is obviously it was the Jewish Passover, and Jesus is with his disciples. They're celebrating the feast, and this is the big, the big one for Israel. This Passover spoke of redemption. They were remembering how God had brought them out of Egypt, and uh, the command that He gave Moses was to sacrifice a, 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 a lamb and to paint the doorposts of their houses with the blood of the lamb. And then to eat that meal in their houses. And there was a lot of idiosyncrasies with it we don't go into, but it's fascinating mm. uh, what happened in that original Passover. They were told, for example, to, to, to eat the Passover with their belt on, with their sandals on their feet, which was so non-traditional. Okay. Like yeah. in, in, uh, in the Middle East, uh, right up until, you know, the day of Christ, let alone right, right back at Moses. Uh, people took their shoes off to go in the house, and that's why foot washing was a big deal because, you know, yeah, open sandals. Yeah, or whatever. yeah, yeah and, yeah. and so, anyhow, um, they were told to stand there with their belt around their waist, with their sandals on, and literally their staff in their hand, ready to go, ready to flee. Mm. And so, of course, Pharaoh had been oppressing them for four hundred years. They were in slavery. They had cried out to God. Moses had come as the deliverer. He gives them, the, you know, the plagues hit Egypt to loosen Pharaoh's grip on the on the people, and then he gives them this instruction. And it was because the angel of death was coming in, and anyone who wasn't literally you know, under the blood of those doorposts was going to, the, the firstborn was going to die. And so uh, uh, the people wait, they paint, you know, they set off on their journey. They go through the Red Sea, Moses parts the Red Sea, they get into the wilderness and on their way to the promised land. And it's all prefigurative for us as Christians, of course. This is the meal that Jesus took. Yeah. Um, and he only took certain elements of the meal. The meal was a, you know, a roast lamb and bitter herbs, etc., uh, unleavened bread. Because and that the whole thought there at that point was you won't have time. You've got to flee in haste. Everything was about get out, get out, get out, get yeah, out. Yeah, wow. So they're and doing this yearly kind of to remember. They're doing it every year to remember this. Well, yeah, and, okay. uh, yeah. And remember God's redemptive act that God intervened. God set us free. Obviously, for for Christian, the meaning, or for the the to, to preach the gospel through it, it's this sense of hey, listen, get out of of Egypt was a type, uh, like a a physical picture of a spiritual reality okay. of sin of being trapped in a land you don't want to be. Mm. They didn't want to be there. They were enslaved there. They were brutalized there. And and we understand that that prefigured or was trying to send this very clear physical picture, a metaphor of the reality of being enslaved by sin, mm. of living in a land you don't want to live, of living lost, of living broken, of living oppressed, uh, because they had all those things. And... Um, and so uh, this redemptive act was the blood saved them. And so obviously the cross of Christ comes in there and Jesus used elements of that meal. He used the unleavened bread 
um, which Paul later picks up on, that not, unleavened was not only fast to bake, but he, he actually uses un, uh, yeast, so un, unyeasted bread, so bread that didn't rise is what I'm talking about. And um, um, and so there, Paul brings that in, that it's like sin, a little bit of yeast makes the whole lump rise. Mm. So in a sense, it was also holy bread. It made it like it needs to be without yeast. That's, that's a later application of a yeah. later writer. So there's lots of complexities around it, but the big story is God's intervened in our story. He's, he's provided for us a way of escape from death, a way of escape from oppression, and you need to flee. You need to be ready to go. Mm. And I think that's the appeal to anyone who hears the gospel. It's like don't muck around. Don't, don't dilly-daddle in the valley of decision, although I did for 10 months as a young man, from hearing the gospel and starting to get a grasp of it to leaving my old life and deciding to follow Jesus was about 10 months. Mm. So there's this, but there's an urgency and that urgency remains for the Christian. Yeah. Whenever we celebrate communion, it, it should be a, it's not a, it's not a guilt thing. It's just a get free, man, mm. get free. And, and if you've been free. set free, stay free. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think was the message from this weekend. So um, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I, and I, that's amazing. I mean, even just hearing that imagery around, like just the, the timing, right? It's mm. like they're celebrating how they're set free by the blood and Jesus comes in and he's like, hey, yeah. kind of that was a precursor to what I'm going to do now. And yeah. I hope if you're listening, I hope this is really making this story come alive. I know it is really is yeah. for me. A lot of these things I kind of didn't realise yeah. how this story from, what, 400 years before, did you say? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of tied oh, actually. to Ooh, or maybe more. Now you put me on many, the spot. No, many, it's a bit many longer years than that. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tied into they were, it. They were enslaved for 400 years, uh, but time of Moses. So yeah. you're talking a lot. A lot, a lot a earlier than before. that, yeah, yeah. But yeah. amazing to see, like, obviously a well-known story in the Bible and how tightly it is linked to, yeah, to yeah. Easter. And, and by the time we we get to Jesus, the Jewish folk had really put a lot more around it, a okay. lot more detail because they were they were basically using this. This was how they preached the gospel to their children and taught their children. And, um, and Passover night, you were encouraged to invite people people in, if there was visitors, strangers in the town, invite them into your Passover so that everyone got the story. Wow. This is God's love for us. God provided, God rescued, God took us out and brought us into a broad place, out of our brokenness and oppression into a broad place, which is, that's just the gospel. And yet it's this ancient gospel. Even when Jesus preached the good news, it wasn't new. Mm. Um, It was refined. It was clearer. And we saw it clearer than ever in Christ. But it wasn't a new story, this redemptive story. And uh, the Jewish folk by Jesus' day had added, you know, four cups in the meal and each cup represented, cup of wine that was, each cup represented something and three loaves of the unleavened bread and, you know, all kinds of things, a traditional Seder plate with all the all the herbs and, and the bitter herbs and, and different things and other object lessons that rabbis added in. So when we do a Passover and I walk us through some just some of that, it's fascinating. Yeah. And they, they spend four or five hours on this meal. This mm. is not a short thing. This is a big, long, protracted meal. So that's, that's sort the context of, that that's, Jesus kind of – That's the context yeah. Jesus is doing it in. He's having this the, the Passover with his disciples – and um, and he says, you know, he takes the bread and he takes the wine, 
and then he literally says, take, eat, drink, this is my body and blood. And and obviously wasn't, obviously, well, you know, in, in my belief, my understanding, it was metaphoric. You know, he also said, I'm the bread of life. He, he didn't mean he was a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he says, this is, this is what you're going to physically connect with. It's like, here's the icons of a new covenant, mm. in a sense, or the, you know, the, 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 the picture we look to to connect with God and it's going to be that I gave my body, it was broken for you. Mm. For your brokenness, I took it on myself. And and your sin, I shed my blood that they might be washed away. And it's it's metaphoric. It's a spiritual rea- yeah. reality, but that's metaphoric language that sometimes people struggle with. Because there's there's uh, three different ways of viewing it, right? I, I've heard three. Yeah, some people yeah. interpret it as it was just bread and wine. On the other extreme, it's it literally turns into Jesus' body and blood yeah, to eat it. Yeah. But then, kind of, it's maybe more where we would tend to sit is around. Um, it represented Jesus' body and his blood. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't physically change, but it carries the power I, I, of it. Again, I'm just way out of my depth. Yeah. Um, and so I do. I need I need a good Catholic friend <laughs> who's happy to talk theology and they'll straighten me yeah, out. But yeah. My understanding is, you know, one end you've got probably where we sit, which is it's representative. Jesus was speaking metaphorically. Yeah. But it carries uh, he, the, yeah, the he, same power. He, he, it carries incredible power mm. simply because we identify. Remember what I said at the beginning? that this whole transformational process is about identifying with the work of Christ. Mm. Um, it's all spiritual. It's like a sinner's prayer. What is it? It's, it, it why does it work? Because it does. I mean, I said a sinner's prayer and yeah. really, I tell you what, God showed up big time. It works because it's entering into the story. It's mm. just one way that we give people a moment where they can tangibly recognise they're entering the moment. Yeah. Um, communion is exactly the same. Um, meditative prayer is exactly the same. Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who is in the environment that I'm part of is probably a better rendering or our Father who's in the air that I breathe. And so there's this entering in. Jesus was wanting them to take a moment and become aware of what already is. Mm. That's why some of our language sometimes around the presence of God, let the presence of God fall or whatever, it's a little bit misleading. It's not the best metaphor because, hang on a sec, when we worship God, it's not like God's like, oh, hang on, they're worshiping. I better stop and receive it. We just, when we worship, we become part of something that has been happening since the beginning of yeah. creation, at and, least. And I mean, sub-episode here, but I think that's beautiful, like the whole thought of, I think we mentioned <laughs> yeah. it before, but that whole, you know, taking the, the, the faith is that God's right here right now. So I don't need to say a big prayer to call him down from heaven, or I don't need to, yeah, like... It, quick like try get him to come from someone that's else right. somewhere else to come yeah, here become aware. becoming aware that he's yeah. already here right yeah, now so that's right so there's passover thursday yeah and and obviously to the foot washing so oh, yeah i think jesus you know after after supper it says they he uh he took a towel uh, or took a towel yet yeah, and gird himself with it and he sat down and he washed their feet in this ultimate act of humility i mean the fact that you know paul talks about it in uh, philippians 2 and that's a great that would be a great episode too in on the kenosis where the jesus emptied himself 
took on the form of a servant, didn't consider equality with God something to, to grasp or revel in or, or to leverage for his own purposes, Later, which is the opposite to us as humans. Yeah. Give us a bit of power, man, and we'll, yeah, we'll take it to the it. bank yeah, yeah, and yeah. we'll leverage everything we can. <laughs> and so Christ is giving us this incredible example of humility. So not only now... Uh, as Paul recounts later on, did he lay aside all that and be found in form man? So the incarnation, that Christmas, what we celebrate at Christmas, that Emmanuel, God is with man. Not only did he do that and humble himself from, from, uh, from his exalted position to take on the form of a human being, but then as a human being, he went even lower. And, of mm. course, this is reflective of his teaching to the disciples when he, we taught them about how to be great, which is another great sub-episode, but um, how to be great was to be the servant of all. And then here he is on the night of his death when the average human heart, if it understood what was coming, and his certainly did, would probably just want to recline and be waited on mm. and would want to throw a pity party. Yeah, It would be, serve me, you should serve me, you should please bring me another cup of wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I'd be. I mean, I'm just being yeah. stark honest. That'd be me if I mm. knew what was coming. And yet here's Jesus wrapping himself in a towel and washing their camel dung feet mm. basically in this ultimate act of, and he says, as I've done for you, so you should do likewise. And it was just this desire to impress upon them that mm. my kingdom is a kingdom of humility. And that's where I find it hard to reconcile, you know, some Christian movements that get incredibly political and all of that. It, it's like, man, if anyone could have been political, it would have been Jesus. Yeah. But he went the opposite end of the scale mm. and went to obscurity and went to servanthood and so, wow, Easter Thursday night, it is just a double bunger of, yeah. <laughs> you know, amazing, uh, you know, what happened and then what that means for us yeah. is, is what is so important. Which I think is great about this conversation, actually talking through and just what happened on those days, mm. um, which is probably important in the way we reflect Easter is not just looking at what happened, but actually what, what should be happening in us because of what's happened. So That's it. Um. Yeah, I guess pass over those images of Hey, of hey did you get that, folks? Can I just stop for a sec? That was really, really good. Yeah. Like it's one thing to look at Easter from afar, to look at it as a festival, to mark important moment. It's one thing to do that. But the thing that God really wanted it to do in us, Jesus didn't die to give us another holiday. Mm. He, he, he laid his life down and then took it up again to transform us. So what you just said about what does it mean for me now, that is mm. even what, that's what this discussion is about. What does it mean for me now? Yeah, so well, thank, and I guess that you. kind of thank answers you. our question a little bit about like how should we, how should we approach it? I guess what's happening in you? Like as mm. you hear about the, so if we move into the, the Friday, I suppose, and the yeah. crucifixion and stuff like. Well, if we, if we just the first night, one I set, suppose. you could say, hey, if you're feeling a bit trapped, you know, even as a believer, if you've lost your way or, what you know, whatever is going on in your world, if you feel a bit trapped, you feel a bit oppressed, you feel a bit under the power of something else, Jesus came to set you free. Mm. Jesus is God's provision for you. Um, and he will not lord it over you. He will not, you know, he will not. It's funny. He is Lord. Absolutely. 
but that is not the way. He doesn't operate like a secular lord. He doesn't operate like the big boss, the big guy in the sky kind of thing. That is not him. You see him as he washes people's feet. That's where you see the heart of Jesus Christ. So no matter where you're at, no matter what you're feeling, he wants to love you and serve you. He's called us, his church, to do exactly the same, to mirror that, even though, can I just apologize on behalf of us all? We don't always do that extremely well, but that's what we're called to. We're called to love you and accept you just the way you are and to wash your feet and to help you find freedom and walk a whole different life. And um, if that's what you desire, then I hope Easter ignites something in your heart and opens your heart towards what Jesus wants to do in you. Yeah, beautiful. Mm. Friday. Friday, yeah. Talk us talk us through it, I suppose. Well, you know, earlier we were talking about the Mel Gibson movie. Um, we kind of did already touch on what Friday was. Yeah, like yeah, bit, so we yeah. did, and it is. It's the difficult day, and it's the day I think where we as Christians, going back to your original question, we probably struggle with how am I meant to be feeling today? Yeah. Um, and, of course, in Australia at least it's a public holiday and, you know, lots of people just go fishing or whatever, and Christians do, and... Um, you know, I know I've found myself over the over the years when we haven't had services for whatever reason or I'm on, on holidays. Not that I think I don't think I've taken many Easter's, um, but hard time to take holidays. It's a hard pastor. time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but that's what teams about too. Yeah, and um, uh, you know, sometimes you find yourself halfway through the day and it's like, oh my goodness, how am I meant to feel today? Mm. And uh, you know, again, I don't think there's a one size fits all. This is the day that that Jesus, you know, he's arrested in the early hours of the morning. He's tried in a couple of different kangaroo courts that that both abuse him, both the the uh, the Hebrew one and the uh, the Roman one. And I think it's really important when we talk about this, as we did with Egypt. It's very important not to. In no way does the Bible uh, ever vilify people or label people. Um, if you actually go through scripture, pretty well just about everyone in the ancient world was pulled into the story because it's a human story. It's so much bigger. The moment we sort of go, those people, it's like, are uh, you talking about yourself? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and you might be talking about when people say, I would never do that. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just never had the opportunity. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, easy to say without the opportunity. It's like when, uh, when some celebrity or whatever does something really dumb, um, it's like, oh, that's just awful. It's like, yeah, but hang on a sec. You don't know. You don't, ha- you don't have a billion dollars and uh, yeah, the you means to do whatever you want. And, and the pressure and the yeah. this and that. You don't know what's going on. And in put in the same circumstances, we'd probably all react a similar way. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's very, courts, yeah, yeah, it's very important not to vilify because this happened and Jewish people suffered tremendous persecution mm. um, through the, right through the Middle Ages. I mean, they always have. I'd name a time they haven't been. Um, but, but you know, Christians were persecuting Jewish people, calling them Christ killers, etc. Mm. And it's very important to just understand that this this was simply the crucible that the story played out. Mm. It could have played out anywhere, and we would have reacted the same. As a matter of fact, in every society around the world, Jesus is still being crucified somewhere, mm. you know, persecuted, rejected. Everything that happened at the cross is a present reality. So Friday is obviously a time I think that Christians at, at the least uh, 
have to stop and contemplate mm. what Jesus did on our behalf. And, and a couple of the images I think we need to get out of uh, Friday, a couple of key waypoints is probably how destructive sin is. So if you go back to the Mel Gibson movie. Get out, you mean take out, not remove from. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean. <laughs> At first I yeah, thought you were great. talking about images we need to remove, but yeah, yeah no, no. Good. Take so away what, points. What are our takeaway points? Hey, this yeah. is why this is a yeah. conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Like, it works so much better. Um, and so the takeaways are how destructive sin is. And if you look at the Mel Gibson movie, which, look, in all honesty, as graphic as it is, I don't think you could ever mimic. No. You could yeah. never actually capture it. You can't capture the smell for a start. You can't capture the, the background noise. You can't – there's only so much film can do. And so as graphic and horrible and hard to watch as it is – it, it is still only fractional. Um, and realising that that was the sin of the world, that is the wrath of man that we talked about, being poured out on the saviour of the world, on an innocent man, on, you know, going back to earlier typology, the spotless lamb of God. And so that original Passover lamb, here is the real Passover lamb. And... Uh, and the angst, the grief, so we, sh- we should know that a takeaway is how destructive sin is. The other takeaway, of course, is God's incredible love. You know, this is John three sixteen, 16, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. So this, the cross, is a display of love in the sense that I will take your burdens, everything that's afflicting you, every pain, the wrath in your heart that has gone to seed because of your separation from your creator, I will take it upon myself. And uh, and that is a beautiful image. That's a beautiful picture, as difficult a picture as it is. The cross is God's ultimate statement of love. We never need to question whether God loves us through that. And then a later writer goes on to say, and, uh, and you know, through him will give us all things. You know, mm. if he gave us the cross, well, then there is nothing God's not prepared to come through with. And, um, and so we have that. I think far from it being a shame, because often Christians want to enter into the shame and the pain, I don't think that's a helpful emotion, mm. you know. I think if there's repentance needed, if, if you're at a point where it's like, man, I need a, a massive return to God and, and Friday is a great day to do it, like, I mean, to really take stock of your life. And guilt or shame might be part of that journey, but it needs to end in gratefulness and adoration yeah, yeah, where it's like, man, oh, man, I have messed up and I am a mess. But when I look at the cross, when I look at my saviour, when I look at what God was prepared to do to display his love for me mm. and to be so contrary to human nature, to take the injustice on himself and forgive me. Mm. I mean, that's, that's why human beings struggle to even understand the forgiveness of God because we're not very very good at forgiving ourselves. And I think this is why Jesus said, if you don't forgive, your heavenly Father won't forgive you. I'm not sure whether it's a won't forgive or a can't Mm. in the sense that God might forgive you 
but you won't be able to receive it because if you don't practice forgiveness, you won't understand how it works. Yeah. But when we forgive others, it gives us an insight into, wow, you know, well, maybe God can forgive me. If I can let that go and I don't need to to punish that person, mm. you know, so and, and the other image that we've got to get right, I think, around the crucifixion is what, what Paul writes in Second Corinthians five, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Because otherwise we have this image of of, you know, a nasty God the Father punishing his son. Or turning his back on his yeah, son. Yeah, which is penal penal substitution, this doctrine, um, which I haven't got a problem with. It was definitely penal substitution. Wrath was poured out upon Jesus. I think the big question is who's wrath? Yeah. <laughs> who, was, who was punishing who? Because God was in Christ. So in a sense, again, God was taking our punishment on himself um, and you know, Jesus was the physical representation of that. And scripture goes on to say that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, that this was always in the mind of God, in the sense God knew this was the solution to human brokenness and pain and sin. And so he wants us to look to him, realize actually God has no issues with me now. I can reconnect with my creator and life can be different. It doesn't have to be the cycle of violence. It doesn't have to be the cycle of offense. It doesn't have to, I don't have to be oppressed by my enemies, greed and lust and envy and pride. And those enemies can be destroyed because Jesus took it all on himself. That's beautiful. What an amazing picture. Oh, yeah. And again, I think it is that. Yeah, what's happening in me because of what happened then? Mm. I think is that's mm. the really important. And look, as we talk about this, can I just put a caveat in it? Without notes, you know, just this is just an off the top of our head discussion. Uh, I feel like I'm not doing it any justice whatsoever. <laughs> like the cross and the work of Christ is so much bigger than a 40-minute conversation mm. or whatever this is going to be. This is going to be one of them long podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It's a long cast, so you can pause now if you want and come back on one of the, on on the next specific day. Yeah, we're only at Friday, so. Um, uh, but I think it's still help. I think it's still helpful to have the conversation and to kind of just get some. Because you might mm. you might feel like you're not doing it justice, but probably doing it more justice than I would say. Well, um, I mean, it's seed thought, isn't it? Mm. If we seed out a lot of thoughts, and it can just deepen our experience. Yeah, and and ultimately, that's what preaching, teaching, that's what doctrine that's what all this is about is helping people embrace the reality yeah. and if that's helping people embrace the reality then that's great great well let's move to saturday now saturday for me is one i don't really was probably <laughs> new that probably pretty new to me that it was actually really anything it was kind of just in the past for me the random kind of limbo day yeah um because i guess traditionally like you know growing up there was uh, was never anything to mark no, saturday no, that i can no. really remember yeah. Um, but, yeah, would you talk us through that? Because obviously Jesus has died at the cross and you have got this kind of Oh, well, look, I, I've come most of my Christian journey exactly the same, most of my pastoral leadership journey. And it wasn't until I think two years ago and I either read something or something was mentioned on the harrowing of hell. I'd never heard the term before. And this is where I need my traditional brothers and sisters to to teach me a more excellent way because um, 
Yeah, I mean... Well, what's your understanding of well, it? Well, really simply, and we'll keep this one simple, but... Um, probably because I have very little knowledge <laughs> of it. Good. But we did market the last couple of years. Yeah, and yeah. my understanding is, is obviously um, uh, writers in the New Testament talk about Jesus descending into hell and leading captivity captive, Paul's famous passage. And and so... It talks the, about him preaching, right? Yeah, preaching to the spirits in yeah, prison. And, yeah, and, yeah. and it's like, okay, it's it's crazy thinking terminology. Obviously, uh, reflections of a spiritual reality of some kind that we need to put language around. And that's what the harrowing of hell is. It's, I think, an attempt to put language around this this specific event, like what happened to Jesus after he died. Mm. And that the whole big thought is that he plundered hell, mm. the harrowing of hell. It's like the plundering of hell. I love that. Reinhard Bonnke, the great African evangelist, had a statement. And it was like, we are plundering hell to populate heaven. Yeah, when he yeah. did his big crusades cool. and would see, you know, two and a half million people in a crusade meeting in, in Africa. It was just like boggles the brain. And it's still happening to this day. Uh, biggest revival on the planet, I think. But um, this Jesus going and and depending on your thinking around the covenants, that those who died in faith in God, but before, you know, we're probably going, we'd be going to typology that is, yeah, well, I'm just opening yeah. a can of worms, but I'm going to but anyway. I, love the, I, I just, we don't, can we I just say, I love the, the, the picture here though. Like, I think to most people, I think if you ask people on the street, where did Jesus go when he died? It would almost seem like a trick question. Like, yeah. of course he went to heaven. Like yeah. if you said, no, Jesus went to hell when he died, you'd be like, hang on, yeah, yeah, are, are we yeah. allowed to say that? But <clears throat> I love that picture. It was like Jesus didn't just go have a three-day yeah. holiday up in heaven. Yeah. He was he was active plundering hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a beautiful picture of and Jesus look, being on mission just for one thing. There is so much speculate. We could speculate so much around this, and it could be poor doctrine, but it's good thinking. And, our, and this has always been a conversation around things. But, you know, there, there's a couple of different thoughts, and that is that hell – is not necessarily the hell as we imagine it. So the Jewish understanding of hell, uh, or there was uh, not, there wasn't really an understanding of hell as such as Sheol, the place of the dead. And so, although in Jewish thinking there was this concept of two levels, there was a place for the un, the righteously departed, and a place for the unrighteously departed, in a sense. And so we could almost say almost heaven and hell in a kind of thinking. The good people, the, 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 the difficult people, you know, the bad people. And uh, that Jesus, some people say Jesus only went, he went to those who because his blood hadn't been put on the true mercy seat of heaven, there wasn't a way for man to be in the presence of God yet in spite of, you know, stories like Enoch being translated in the Old Testament. So there's all kinds of... And, and this, I have... This is, I have <laughs> hey, I've just got to qualify. I've got, I'm not read into this, so I'm going was, where yeah, angels fear to hell, tread. Hell is definitely uh, another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we probably yeah. shouldn't spend... Because yeah, yeah. we'll be here for another hour, I think, uh, Yeah, we're not this, going so. there. We're not going there. I'm just trying to set the scene that... It could have been, the, the understanding could be that Jesus went and preached to just the righteously departed, all those who died in faith under old covenant dispensations, different covenants the, you know, from Edenic right through. And then um, uh, and then there's the other school of thought, which is basically, well, 
you know, everyone who's ever departed and everyone who responded to the gospel came, which could be picked up later on when we say things like, but what about that lust tribe up the Amazon who've never heard the name of Jesus? What happens to them? And Paul's kind of refers to that, I think, a little bit in the book of Romans, that they're a bit of a law unto themselves. But, you know, depending on how you see the harrowing of hell, it could prefigure that there will be an opportunity. Scripture says it's appointed for man to die once and then the judgment. But what that looks like, we really don't know. Mm -hmm. We just assume it means the door slams and that's it. So, you know, I, I think there's lots to be discussed around this, but the thing was Saturday we remember what Jesus won for us. The harrowing of hell, the plundering of hell was people hearing the good news and coming to freedom. And scripture says he led captivity captive. It's this beautiful picture, ascended on high to the right hand of God, gave gifts to men as he led this captivity train literally out of the underworld. If we, That might be a better world way to put it. He leads them out of the underworld, these, these souls that had been in prison. And, and as he does, everything that, the way I picture I get, everything that was on the life of Jesus Christ which we'd call the ascension gifts, the fivefold gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher. He was the greatest apostle, came from heaven to earth. He was the great teacher. He was the, the great um, uh, uh, pastor, the great shepherd, you know, the greatest evangelist you've ever seen. All of those gifts were distributed to the church mm. so that his ministry could continue. So that, that yeah. in a sense, is this whole the harrowing of hell, um, everything that he won for us, the freedom. You know, you've got brokenness in your body. You've got brokenness in your mind. You, you, you're broken of heart or spirit. He, he wants to bring freedom and restore you on every level. Mm. Everything that hell has taken from you. Because thinking now, hell is, is not a place as much as it is a, re, a present reality. It's both. But you, you can bring hell to earth or you can bring heaven to earth. And, and just looking right now, you look at a war, that is mankind bringing hell to earth. And yeah. no one needs to be convinced of that. Yeah, people so, are so worried about going to hell in the yeah, future. But and it's probably like, should be more, you should also be worried about living yeah, in it right now. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so it's like get free, get out. Mm. Jesus it not only, and this is the application, what does it mean to us, the harrowing of hell? Um, Jesus wants to lead you out of your yeah. captivity wow. and that brokenness and even judgments that have fallen upon you and all of that stuff, your fear, your shame, the sense of guilt, the nah, nah, Jesus wants to redeem it all and take you to a higher place, which is literally what he did. Wow. Mm. And then we've got Resurrection Sunday. Yeah, which I thought we'd spend all the time on. Um, but <laughs> probably <laughs> nearly yourself in for another 45 this, this minutes? No no no, 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 we won't go there. Oh, we've probably um, covered a fair, like I think a, a, a couple of these things are coming up yeah. in each of the days almost. Yeah. Like it's it's nuanced that you could it, separate. It's yeah. true, yeah. And, and this is why it's hard to know how to feel on the way through yeah, because yeah. you're living in the present reality. Hopefully, I hope you are. And, uh, it, and if you aren't, if, if as we're speaking, like the freedom, the joy, the life that we're talking about, everything Jesus won, if that has not been your experience, then uh, look, I encourage you, wherever you are, find a church mm. uh, and go and talk to someone. Go and knock on the door of the of the rectory next door the 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 manse the you know the the holy man's house you know go knock on the door and have a conversation or 
find a Christian, someone that you think, man, their life reflects that, mm. and ask them to tell you, how do I connect with with Jesus Christ? Come to church. Come if you're in Toowoomba, come here. You know, or come yeah. to there's great churches right across the city. But whatever you do, you know, connect with the with the Easter story mm. and it will transform your life. Because we then have Resurrection Sunday. Uh and it's always, you know, a huge celebration in the church. I mean, I love it. I love the big resurrection songs we sing and I love it's my favorite Sunday to preach. I mean, if you can't preach Jesus on Resurrection <laughs> Sunday, there's something wrong with you. And um, my imagery around it, I love what Paul says and and building a bit of thought around when Paul said that if the, the principalities, if the rulers of this world had known what they were doing, they never would have crucified the Lord of glory. And, and the first application you could say is, man, you know, both the Jewish religious establishment and the Roman entrenched military power thought that just killing him would be the end of the story, mm. like it is with every other human being. Like, you kill them, they're gone, you know. You can make them a bit of a martyr, but that never lasts more than, you know, how many years. Um, but it just got bigger. When mm. Jesus died, the Jesus thing just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was because, of course, of resurrection power that the story is there's an empty grave. And on the next level, on that level, it was like oh, we're, our political enemy, our religious enemy's done away with. No, it got bigger. And then um, on, on the other level is literally the devil cut his own throat. Mm. by doing that because what Jesus won with his shed blood and then his newness of life, resurrection life, he won a, a victory. He took the keys of death and hell, which is another one of those harrowing, mm. harrowing of hell thoughts. He won it all back and literally Jesus built a super highway mm. for the human race out of pain into freedom out of brokenness into life, out of hell into heaven. All of that imagery, all of those metaphors, that's what's happened. There is no reason you can't know your creator. There is nothing standing in the way. And not only that, but resurrection power is promised to us, not just in the future when we die, but right now in life. And we can... You know, Paul puts it this way, put to, to put to death the deeds of the body, the stuff that's less than helpful, the stuff that traps us and pulls us down. You can actually overcome that because of the resurrection power. He puts it this way, that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your mortal body. Mm. And so I, I just love this thought that eternal life, resurrection power, it's not just a future thing. It's a now thing. Yeah. And that's what we celebrate Easter Sunday. It's like, hallelujah, he is alive. I've still got some Anglican folk, you know, that ex-Anglican background people that come to the church. I love it. Every Easter Sunday, I text them first thing in the morning. So uh, shout out Tim and Liz if you're listening. Um, and there's others in my world too when I remember them. And I text them, uh, 
he is risen, and they text straight back, he is risen indeed. Because <laughs> <laughs> that apparently was uh, was one of the things they do in the Anglican Church. Yeah, mm. yeah, wow, wow. Mm. So there's Resurrection Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. This, is, this has been really great. This has been helpful for me, I think, just looking through it and... My biggest takeaway is, yeah, like as far as answering that question of how do we feel, I guess it's what's God doing in you. Yeah. Um, and just really encouraged to take those moments, mm-hmm. um, even if it is just a few moments of reflection on certain days and thinking through not just what happened, but, yeah, what what's that mean for me and what's happening to me, what's what's changing in me Yeah. because of that. Yeah. And I, and I just wonder as we finish the story, um, it, it would probably be remiss of me, um, you know, just not to give anyone who's out there right now the opportunity to make this real for you, even right now. And um, and I would just encourage you, if you're listening to this for some reason, somehow you've got a hold of it, um, I want you to know that you're loved. You're loved primarily by God, uh, even, if, even if that might not be your experience with people. You're loved by God. I'd like to think you could be loved by God's people, that they, you, know, you would encounter people that are forgiving and loving enough. But for you, if you recognize, man, I want to enter into this, if this is the God story, if this is really why I'm here, if there is a destiny beyond what I see and can touch and taste, and you know, then, then I want it. If that's your desire, friend, I'd encourage you right now, under the sound of my voice, just open your heart. Open your heart to the Easter story that God loves you enough to lay his life down on a cruel cross than to be raised by the power of his spirit so that you could know you have forgiveness of sins and you have power to live life differently. You can enter into that story right now. You can open your heart. You might want to pray in your own words. You might want to simply invite Jesus into your life. Say, God, you are welcome in my life. Help me to know what that means for me. And you know what? Friend, that's the kind of prayer God loves to answer. Yeah, that's right. Well, hey. Easter. Easter. 2022. Hopefully this has been helpful and hopefully you have an incredible Easter. And uh, thanks for joining us. It's bonus episodes. So there's actually another episode out today as well. So, you know, if you're looking for a double dip, <laughs> go get into that. Uh, but it's been so great being with so you. So good. Have a fantastic weekend slash whenever you're listening to this, I suppose. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Hey, good day, everybody. This is Gary Swenson. Surprise, surprise. Hey, how great was that episode? Wow. I hope you really enjoyed that. And if you did, please make sure you leave us some good feedback. Uh, Give us five on Apple or Spotify and uh, have a great week. And don't forget to tune in for the next one.